Well, Father Jonathan, what's going on? Well, Father David, we are recording on a different day mm-hmm. because I had some things to do yesterday. That's right. Um, but it should all work out. Yeah, I think so. So as we record this, it's Monday. Nobody uh, will even know. No one will even know. Except for the fact we... that I just said it. <laughs> yeah, and if we don't post it on time like normal. Um, so really okay. quick, uh, how was the fifth Sunday of Easter? Did you have a Mass that you went to? I did. I actually celebrated a Mass. Can you believe it? I cannot believe it. Tell me about uh, what you preached. It was great. I focused kind of what we were talking about. As you said last week, This these conversations have really proven to be quite helpful. Uh, and, you know, I'm a big fan of keeping it kind of short and sweet. Um, yep. Or at least short. Um, <laughs> if you can't be good, be brief. That's right. Um, I really honed in on that phrase, remain in me as I remain in you. Yeah, man. And I kind of teased out a lot of different examples of, you know, St. Paul was was the, the reason that he could do the things that he did was because he remained close to Jesus. Mm-hmm. The reason mm-hmm. the apostles could see past their hatred for this man and accept him was because they stayed close to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and part of that, and kind of going back to this image of the vine, is that means allowing the Lord to to prune a lot of those hateful branches that we hold on to. Mm. So nice. that's kind of what I did. <laughs> nice. That's great. That's great. I uh, I did something similar. I mean, our conversation did help me as well. And I, um, I mostly focused in on the them hating on Paul and mm-hmm. not... Uh, trusting his experience. And I, I kind of got in this whole thing about the way that the first reading ended, which was about the church was at peace. And I, I kind of harped on like, the question for me is, has the church ever really been at peace? You know? <laughs> yeah. And and the reason is because we don't really trust that other members of the church have met the Lord. You know, like, yeah, yeah. And it's so like, I kind of got into that whole thing. And then, you know, the same way as you brought in the vine, which is great, right. which is really good. You know, there's an interesting thing that happened that I wish we had talked about, uh, the first reading, it begins with the disciples were afraid of Paul. Right. And ends with the fear of the Lord. Hmm. Interesting. And, yeah. And so I wonder if there's, you know, if we could maybe bring even bring in a little bit of of Ignatian spirituality here and say that their their desire wasn't wrong per se. It was just disordered. And mm. so how do we turn that into a proper fear, fear of the Lord, and direct it where it needs to be, rather than at this at this particular man or whoever it is that we that we no, encounter. That's good. No, that's good. I like that. Just like we sometimes worship creatures instead of the Creator, yeah. we can sometimes fear creatures rather than fearing the Creator. Um, yeah. Now, naturally, I mean, like those are different, but sure, it's a good, it's a good point, and it could come out in a homily really well. The thing that I was that I would be hesitant with is like trying to tease out the difference the difference in fear. Right. That right. could get a little complicated. And I to be honest, I'm still and I think we've we've talked about this a couple of times. I'm still not quite sure what the difference actually is. Yeah, me neither. And <laughs> it's and it's I mean, I know what people say, but I don't really understand why we use the word fear, you know? Yeah. Um if we're just gonna immediately like wish it away by calling it wonder and awe, then let's just call it wonder and awe. Right. You know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so no, but that's good. That's good. I, I mean, uh, methodologically, I think that what you, what you pointed out is really great for a homily to, to see in the beginning and at the end of the text, something that you can parallel that yeah. 
that pivot off of each other in a different way, in a unique way, like beginning with the fear of human to human and ending with the fear of the Lord. Like that's, yeah. that'd make a really good arc for a homily. Right. Um, yeah. Which is great. Um, cool. Cool. You know, uh, and so I wonder hey, if there's a similar, sorry to cut you off there, but I'm really excited about this. I wonder if there's a similar, uh, way of thinking about, you know, you said if we just mean like fear and awe or what, do you, what is it? Awe and respect. Wonder like, and awe. Let's just say that. Well, it's an interesting thing, especially this week. We, we're hearing a lot of a, a lot of talk of keeping commandments, God's commandments. Uh, and I find it so fascinating that in our day and age, we can't talk about commandments except as a form of oppression. Mm. Like Whoa. we only, yeah. yeah, we only see it as, you know, you're, these are just rules to keep me down. Dude, that's good. Yeah, and, no, that's really good. And I was like, wait a second. These, this is not that. I mean, he says it pretty explicitly. My commandment is this: that you should love one another. Mm-hmm, but like, mm-hmm. I, I even in my it, within myself, I can feel like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how dare you tell me that this is what I should be doing? <laughs> yep. No, that's good. It's like, that's no, good. I'm telling you to love. I don't care what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. That's right. And I mean, that kind of gets to the point of it is that um, at its foundation, law. Uh, just law, good law, is meant to uh, be for your own good. Like yeah. following it is for your good. Right. But like we have this adolescent rebellion against any kind of command because even if it's good for me, you know, it's the proverbial eating your vegetables. You yeah. know, like even if it's good for me, just because you told me to, I don't want to do it. Right. You know? Right. Um, and precisely because you told me to. Yeah. 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 And so, hey, I mean, there's a whole pedagogy, I think, in the spiritual life around getting people to a place where they. This is kind of thing what Paul gets at in his letters is that I have no need for the law because the law right. has become me. Like I've become the law, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I think there's something really appropriate to preach there because you could do a lot of good rehabilitating people's understanding, including our own understanding of what is the good that is implied by following the commandments. It's not mm-hmm. just fall in line. It's by following the laws, we're taking... And this, this is something Bishop Barron always says, but it's it's just good, like, goes all the way back to Aristotle. It's like you're just taking it upon yourself to rehabilitate your own habit to where your habit becomes the thing that you want, you know? Yeah. Like, like I want to be a good person, so I'm going to be told to do it until I no longer need to be told, you know? Yeah. I just it's, do it. Yeah. It's the metaphor that you use quite often with the, uh, with the athlete. How does a great yeah. athlete become great? Well, in a sense, he forgets the game. That's right. Because That's the game, right. he becomes the game. That's right. He's the rule book. You know, yeah. when you play when you play a game, you just think back to the rule book. You know, um, which is you know not to go too abstract here for a second, but just to throw it out there, this is one of the reasons that some theologians always point to the saints to say that they're the ones who are the true theologians, yeah. um, because. If you want to know what it means to believe in God and understand God and speak of God, just look at the lives of those who have lived this life well, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I think, hey, this is all kind of exactly what we're seeing in the gospel, right? So my father's commitment is to remain in my love. And you could really hone in on that to say there's a real juxtaposition there between obedience to the law and love, you know? Um, And you could preach a whole homily on that. I think that's a really powerful Mm -hmm. thing to to tease out. Yeah. You know, I just preached a, a homily on remaining, so I may, I don't know, if I were in a parish setting, it, it would be interesting to kind of continue that theme and kind right. of change it up a little bit to be right. to be more kind of 
uh, here's, you know, here's how you do that, perhaps. You know, here's how you, okay, here it is. <clears throat> here's what grows after you've clipped, you've pruned the vine. Hmm. Here, here are the fruits of, of your remaining love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, I, I was going to take it a different direction. Um, this has been on my mind recently, um, because in you know, you know, are both Jesuits, and and one of the things that our founder <laughs> oh. Ignatius says about uh, men who hold authority and power in our order, like uh-huh. one of the main things, kind of one of the only things that he demands of them is to be men who love yeah. uh, their subjects. And and I've been thinking about it a lot that recently. It's like you know, it'd be a lot easier for me to be obedient. If I had confidence that the person who was commanding me loved me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that you can kind of go in that direction with this reading as well, is that like the commandments of the Father are not burdensome because the Father loves us. Yeah. yeah. And like, look how much love the Father has for us that he gave us his only son. And his son has given us the law. And so follow it, not because you have to, but because... It's coming from a loving father. And like, why would you not want to follow the commandments of a loving father? So what have we lost? Why can't we see that? Why do we immediately have that knee-jerk reaction to, how dare you tell me to do something? Yeah. I mean, hey, that's the rebellion of Adam and Eve. That's the, sure. that's, that's original sin. That's the, the, that's ultimately pride, you know. Um, but then on, there's also cultural effects. I think that we over the course of centuries in the West, especially have grown suspicious of, of authority, you know, authority being concentrated in individuals. And yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to be said there, but I don't know. I don't know why. I probably wouldn't take it in that direction. No, 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 no. That can get kind of far afield. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm still liking this. I mean, I, so for example, I preached on this yesterday a little bit because tomorrow here in Spain, there are elections, and um, I preached a little bit about, about politics this past weekend, not about the candidates in particular, but just about no. not just about the candidates, because I don't know anything about the politics here, but I pointed out how, like, in the first reading, it was all about the church was at peace, you know, and united, and talking about the lack of unity, and so I got to talking about unity a lot, and how in these coming elections, you would think, like, this is supposed to bring this country together, but it just ends up dividing us. Yeah. And I think in these Sunday readings that we don't have any of the apparitions of the resurrected Christ, we, we're kind of preparing Pentecost, like you've been saying, and Pentecost is all about the unity of the church, Yeah. you know? And so, like, we're not just united under one law, we're united under one Father, and right. that makes a big difference. Like, we are sons of the Father, and He has loved us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, in the second reading, beloved, let us love one another, like, that... That unites us because love yeah. is of God, um, and similarly, the first reading is also about unity. It's like, right? Peter's I see that God has that vision. Yeah, and I see that God has no partiality. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I love, especially with this first reading, that you know the disciples were surprised, just like this past weekend with Paul. Like they were surprised that the Holy Spirit is being given to other people. Yeah. Like, get over yourself, Christian. Like <laughs> God wants everyone, not just you. Yeah. You know? Anyway, I think you can go in an angle of unity here, that God's law is to unite us, and the reason the commandment is to love is because love is of God, and love is God, and God is one. Yeah, you know, there's, an, there's a really interesting... And this, there may not be no place for what I'm about to say in, in, in this homily or even in thinking about this, but I've, it's been on my mind recently, this movement that we go from 
needing to have that individual uh, encounter, like St. Paul. Okay, that's important. We need that. But then to have the more general, kind of the communal acceptance, the communal ratification, if you will, of that individual experience. So it's not just good enough for you to do you. Mm-hmm. You've also then got to take it a step further and engage your local community and then the wider community, the more universal. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I wonder if that's kind of the, the way in which... And you can't immediately jump to the universal without ha- first having that experience. Well, hold on a second. I think we're... So this is a this is a tension. This is a tension because <laughs> you you so I think a more caricature of some Protestant sort of denominations would be that an experience of Christ is individual and then you encounter a community where you can share what you've experienced on an individual level. Um whereas Catholics we tend to speak of encountering Christ on the individual level only happens through the community. Yeah. But there's still an encounter. Like I'm I'm not I'm not trying to say that you know, you're accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Um, but there's still an encounter. Like, we, mm-hmm. that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And it is. I mean, you, you, David, receive the body of Christ mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in your own body. That's right. That's uh, and so what is it? Yeah, I mean, I get that there's a tension there and that we can quickly fall into kind of dicey, choppy waters, but... But I still think that there's this, I mean, and I I kind of pull this from um, the way that we pray our creedal prayers, right? You've got the creed that says, I believe, and then we all together say, Our Father. So it moves mm. from that I believe to just in the, in the flow of the liturgy. Right, um, right. So I don't know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know yeah, what I'm trying I to mean, say here. I mean, even before, <laughs> even before the I believe is the I confess, you know, yeah. so... I confess, I believe, but you know, our Father, yeah. uh, for sure. So anyway, I mean, I think I think we have a really good golden nugget here that we don't need to overly conceptualize. Um, that the commandment is to love, yeah. And there's a really good homily here about certainly the tension between commandments and loving, but there's also a conversation to be had about what is love. Like, what, yeah. what does that mean? If that's our commandment, what does that mean? Because you can put it on a postcard and get it wrong, you know? Um, <laughs> right, right. And people you, do. You know, right. And so I no longer call you slaves because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. Um, so, okay. So to, to be loving uh, Christ is to know what he's about. Uh, it's to be his friend. Um, yeah, to be brought into the life of his father. Like, love is of God. So you can't just say, like, love one another and not speak of God. Like that, right. <laughs> like that doesn't work anyway. And so Jesus lays down his life. Like that's part of love. Anyway, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on there, but I think you could do a whole catechesis around what is the nature of Christian love. Sure. For sure. And I think it's so easy for us to fall into kind of the sentimentality of that, you know, the, the hallmark version of love, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. instead of actually pointing out that, you know, similar to last week's readings of, uh, the vine and the vine grower, like some of the things that you think you love are going to have to get cut off <laughs> and that's, that's going right. to hurt. That's right. Uh, that's but right. It, it's, it's for your good. It's so that you can grow and become a better, become the you that God has actually created you to be rather than the God, the, the you that you want to be or that right. you think you need to be. Right. Uh, like it's being purified by fire is 
is painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. No, totally, totally. Hey, your whole remain in me, like that's that's love, right? That's yeah. Christian love yeah. to remain in Christ. Through the dirtiness, through the ugliness. Hmm. Boom. Yeah. So you have to look at somebody. So maybe it's precisely because, you know, God calls people like you and me and St. Paul and all these broken people. Uh, you know, can we still love God through that messiness? Mm-hmm. Can we still mm-hmm. remain with the church through all the scandal? Yeah. No, fair enough. Hey, uh, one thing that's hitting me really quick, just to pivot. Um, I, I'm looking at the psalm. And it's just kind of resonating with me a little bit, this refrain. I, I'm not too big on preaching on Psalms, but so the Lord has revealed to the nations his saving power. And I, I just don't really think we preach about that anymore. That saving like, power or revealing to the nations? The saving power. That mm. like God, God not only saves us through Christ, but God wants to save you. Like, yeah. like imagine preaching and like, exhorting people to realize that God is not just sitting in heaven waiting for you to arrive. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. God is here laboring to save you. Like he <laughs> So like when you fall into the pit, like God is tr- like desperately there digging you out, wanting yeah. to be there. Like we have a really good theology of guardian angels. Like that's great. Uh and I believe in them for sure, but God is taking up a shovel himself to get yeah. me out of that pit. You know? you know, that's a really great image because so often we we like to imagine, and this is, you know, we can. There's many people to blame for this, but in our imaginations, we have this idea that the further we fall into despair and into the pit, the f- the further proximity-wise we are from the Lord, and that's yeah. just not true. God is right. literally everywhere. God is. Right, and he's uh, and nowhere. So, yeah, and so to your point, like even when we are when we are being buried by our own sin, God is there, tr- waiting for us, hoping for us, digging for us. Right, right, uh, right. So, so yeah. So I, I I think about this a little bit too with the Alleluia verse. So whoever loves me and keeps my word, says the Lord, my Father will love him, and my Father will come to him. So like, yeah. So we keep thinking in terms, like in my mind, I have this ossified image of God still in heaven. And of course, God is in heaven as much as he is on earth, etc. I mean, God is everywhere and nowhere. But this idea that God is dynamically moving towards yeah. me, you know, to save me, because God has proclaimed his saving power to the nations, um, not just historically, but now, actually, like God yeah. is working in, in to save you, you know? You know, gosh, man, for me at least, this kind of puts a sharper end on the sinful life because it's not so much wandering in a barren wasteland. It's wandering in the garden with your eyes closed. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, So it's like you are willingly keeping your eyes closed to the Lord around you. And that's, that's I mean, that's not like... You know, whoops! That's the life of sin that you've that you've prepared, um, that you've built, that you've practiced. To your earlier point, um, you know. Right, right. Hey, so uh, I love that. And here's here's one parting thought from me. Uh, it, I think we could really string this past week and this upcoming week together. You had the remain in me, and there's the commandment to love. Um, uh, one of the things that I preached in my homily, which I forgot to mention to you, which I would bring in here with this garden image. Um, is that the remain in me is is a it's an attack on this idea that God is a part of our life. Like God is not a part of my life. 
Mm-hmm. I'm a part of his life, you know, boom, <laughs> like, boom. you know, and so like we keep talking about like what role does God have in your life and all this. And it's like, fine. And I guess that that's a very, <laughs> like that's a good way of talking about it, I guess. But like, no, 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 no. Like I make up part of his life. Yeah. I remain in him, not the other way around. Yeah. And so I like that. Like, like you're walking in that garden with your eyes closed because God is all around you. Yeah. And when you sin, you are blocking God's access to you because yeah. you don't want it. You know. Right. Right. Oof. I like that. <laughs> I'll sit with cool, that. man. Yeah, dude. Any parting thought from you? No, man. Pray about that. All right, dude. <laughs> Peace out, man.